0: Well, it really is a a joy to be with you again today, and um, I uh, feel so at home here today. This is a church that feels like home. Uh, When I was closing my eyes during the worship, I felt like I was right at home, and it's good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ and, uh, and to be with you today. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Philippians, and as we find Philippians, which is an amazing book. Um, it's a it's an epistle, a letter written by Paul, who um, was an apostle in the in the New Testament, written to the church in Philippi. And there's there's two themes that we see run through Philippians. Um, the one is is partnership, and uh, as Greg said, I I really feel that we have a partnership in the gospel with uh, with with you as a local church. And, um, and we enjoy that partnership. We're not going to be looking at that today, but I, I love the idea of partnership. Partnership is more than friendship. It's a friendship with a purpose. And the purpose is to see the kingdom of God advance, uh, both locally and globally. So turn with me to Philippians. And while you're turning there, I'd just like to read a verse that really has been on my heart since yesterday. And it may well be something to encourage you as a church along the journey that you are embarking on. And it's out of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It's a key verse in the book of Acts. In fact, it is the key verse in the book of Acts. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I find it useful when I read scriptures to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, to spend time with Him, and to ask six questions. There are six questions that we can ask. They are, they are who, how, why, where, when, and What? And Rudyard Kipling said, I keep six honest serving men. They taught me everything I know. Their names are what and why and when and how and where and who. So let's start with the who. Who is this verse written to? Well, three times in this verse, we see the word you. You will receive power. How? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. When that dynamite power comes on you, when the dunamis of God is, uh, in, in, uh, becomes like that river flowing out of you, you will receive power. How? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? So that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And a witness is simply someone who gives evidence of what they have seen, heard, and experienced. Who here has seen God do amazing things? Heard the good news of Jesus? Who's experienced his love and his goodness and the fellowship that you have together? Well, God's called us to be a witness. You see, church is not something we go to. Church is not a building. Church is not an organization. Church is God's people who've been called out of the world to worship God, which we've enjoyed together today, and then sent back into the world to witness and serve, to make a difference in the world in which we live. So the who is you. You shall receive power. How? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? So that you can be my witnesses. And then the next question is where? And I think the where is both local and global. And I'm so excited about the the vision that God has given Greg and how that vision has been shared and it's been picked up by people within the church that are running with their vision. The vision to be a local church that has a global impact. A church that is a witness both here in Jersey and to the ends of the earth. And I think that's wonderful that you are a church that's um, that's not a huge church. But you must remember, a church is not measured by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. Size and significance are not the same thing. And I keep telling myself that because I'm not a very big guy, okay? Size and significance are not the same thing. You know, a little stick of dynamite can cause a huge explosion. And the dynamite of the Holy Spirit has been, uh, empowers us to make a huge difference for Him. The where is both local and global. The when is and, not then. You see, so often people read this verse and they read it like this. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. But in actual fact, it's the word and. And behind that word, we need to understand in the original language, it, uh, it implies a continual present tense. That we need to be a witness where we are, yet at the same time be a witness regionally, And globally. And God has a call on this local church to be able to take the teaching, to be able to take the worship, to be able to take the heart of of missions and church planting and see that sown both locally and globally. You have something really special here. And God wants that to be spread out as seed throughout the earth. And then finally leaves us with one last question. So we've looked at the who, the how, the why, the where, the when, and the what. What is the message that we need to go and preach? Well, clearly in the book of Acts, it's Jesus and the kingdom of God. Jesus is the message. And uh, you're going through a series here, I see, on, on letting people see Jesus. I think that's wonderful. Because we are not going with a bunch of rules and regulations. We're not going to to share religion with people. We're trying to bring people into a living relationship with Jesus. And, uh, And to be able to preach the kingdom of God. The book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, starts with Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. It ends in Acts 28 verse 31 with Paul in a rented house in Rome, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I really want to encourage you that the work that you're doing, what this journey you're about to embark on is going to be a great journey. It really is. This morning, people in our church were praying for us here in Jersey. We, we're one church that meets in two locations. And uh, and a, a, a mom of three who um, was actually in A youth group that you guys led many years ago in Zimbabwe um, sent me this message. This morning I got a picture of a fruit tree and it was like a time lapse. The tree gained its nutrient from the roots. The tree grew and produced fruit. Then I saw the fruit going from green to being ripened and then picked and it was delicious fruit. And, uh, you know, I've only been here, this is my second visit. And already, just in this short period of time, we can see incredible progress. And sometimes when we live in a situation, we're not quite aware of all that is happening. And I want to tell you that you guys are doing a great job. That, uh, that, that, um, that God is doing awesome things in this place. And, uh, and the fruit that he is producing and will produce, right now it might just be seed. But that seed is going to produce a a tree that will produce fruit that will be impregnated with more seed. You know, one seed has the potential to feed the whole world. And what God wants to do here can make an impact throughout the whole world. So I want to encourage you with that today. So now that I've made those few comments, let's get into Philippians. And uh, this morning, I'd just like to share a simple message with you. I'd like to look at seven things that Paul says Jesus is to us in the book of Philippians. Now, we've just celebrated Christmas, and we must remember that Jesus is no longer the baby in the manger. He's no longer uh, our Savior on the cross. He is now the King of kings and Lord of lords. He said on the cross, it is finished. Now we celebrate the incarnation when, when the Son of God became a son of men, so sons of men can become sons of God. We celebrate that. And I, I, I enjoy that. I really do. I enjoy Christmas carols and all the things we do around Christmas. Um, I'm so, I so appreciate the fact that Jesus paid the price on the cross for me, and it's something that I, I appreciate and, ap- and appropriate to my life every single day. But we also need to remember that Jesus now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He has sent us as his ambassadors to go into all the world and preach the good news. Um, can I just say one other thing that really I was, I was reminded of today? You know, um, A small village in France... During the Second World War, they had, a, they had a statue of Jesus in the square. And during the war, when the, when the village was bombed, the statue fell on its face and its hands were broken off. They lifted up the statue lovingly and made it stand in its place. But with no hands, one man asked the question, what good is our Christ with no hands? Another man put a, a plaque at the bottom which said, we are his hands. Many years later, a poet visited and was inspired to write these words I have no hands but your hands to do my work today. I have no feet but your feet to lead men on the way. I have no voice but your voice to tell men why I died. I have no help but your help to bring men to my side. And I want to encourage you that you're a part of something great, something that's making a difference here. God's called us to be ambassadors here but also to be his representatives throughout the whole world. Anyway, let's get into the message. Can we do that? Okay, seven things that Paul says Jesus is in our lives from Philippians. And they're all Ps. First of all, Jesus is the perfecter of our lives. Jesus is the perfecter of our lives. Philippians chapter 1. And verse six, and I really like that illustration that Greg gave earlier—that uh, we would break open the kernel and see the fruit on the inside. That we would we would dig into this book and see some of the truth in it. In Philippians, Philippians chapter one, verse six, it says, "He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ." Jesus is the one who has started a good work in us. In each one of us. And he wants to bring that work to completion. Galatians 3 verse 3 says, Having begun in the spirit, don't try and accomplish your goal through human effort. And Jesus started this work and he is doing a work in us and through us. Religion wants to reform us, change us from the outside in. Huh? The world around us wants to squeeze us into its mold. But Jesus wants to transform us from the inside out. I like the way it says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, it is God who works in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. He is the one who has started the work. He is the one who will finish the work. And he is the one who is working in our lives the whole journey in between. I really like that. Jesus has started a good work in you. And he will bring that work to completion. You know, this church started because of a seed that was planted in, in one person's heart. That seed has now, or one couple's heart, and that, that has spread to many hearts. And God wants to do something awesome in this local church. But he also wants to do something awesome in every single one of our lives. Jesus is the perfecter of our lives. He's the one who, who takes us as, uh, as, as messed up people. He puts us back together and he uses us for his purpose. That's who he is. He takes us and he molds us and he makes us into a vessel that he can use. Jesus is the perfecter of our lives. The second thing I want you to see is in Philippians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 21 through to verse Twenty-four, um, Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 through to verse 24. It says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. I love this verse. This verse in particular, verse 21, where he says, For me to live is Christ. He says, Jesus is the purpose of my life. And I love the way that he says, We can live for a purpose, but for us as believers, death is gain. What an incredible attitude. And then he says, I long to be with Christ. Now how many of us would long or, 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 or don't long to be in a place where there's no hindrance, that we're not looking through a, a glass dimly at our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, but we see him face to face, that we experience worship with the angels, that, that we, we don't have the limitations that we have in our physical bodies. huh? I long for that day. But you know what? I'm alive for a purpose. In 2011, I was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And I I was saying yesterday, I used the phrase, I thought I was going to pop my clogs. I thought that was my, my time was up. I thought that's it. And you know, there's times when we have challenges like that in our lives. But you know, what became so real to me was there was no fear of death. Because for us as Christians, death is simply a comma, it's not a full stop. Eh? It's simply a comma. It's not a full stop. Just recently, uh, a man in our, our church, well, he's a husband of a lady who's very involved in our church. He, a he, uh, very intelligent man, he had a stroke. And he lost, lost, he was basically completely paralyzed. The only thing that he could do was use his eyes to look up for yes and his eyes to look down for no. And I went to see him in hospital and for a man who was very intelligent, very capable, to see him in that state was a real challenge. And one of the other guys that work with us in our local church went to go and see him and, and uh, they were friends and he spoke to him for a while. And he said, do you love Jesus? And he looked straight up, yes. Do you know that if you, if you go from here, you'll go into God's presence? He looked up, yes. Are you afraid of dying? He looked down, no. That's the only way he could communicate. And you know, when I had cancer, uh, I had no fear of death, but something rose up in me that I want to serve God's purpose for my life. And let me say this, we're not alive just to work to eat and to eat to work. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. I love the way it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One version says we're God's handiwork, which means we are unique. You're not just a knockoff. You're not you are you are made unique to serve God's unique purpose. And I want to say that every single person in this local church, God has brought you here. He's planted you in this church. Church is not something I believe you join, but it's something God adds you to. And I believe every single person, God's brought you here, and you have gifts, talents, and abilities that you can use for Him by serving others. That's what our ministry is. It's not some... You know, what is my ministry? Well, what can I do... To, 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 to advance the cause of Christ? What can I do to serve other people? What can I do to be a blessing? And God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. Don't try and be like someone else. Say, God, what is your purpose for my life? You know, our purpose. And the only thing... Uh, uh, there's an old poem or song, you know. Whatever is done for Christ will last. One life soon be passed, whatever is done for Christ Will last. And I want to encourage us. Let's be those who use our lives to serve God and his purpose. To be able to take the message of Jesus and to extend the kingdom of God. Which basically means this. Whatever sphere you in. Medicine. Accounting. Law. Uh, teaching. Um, if you're a mom at home. God wants you to take the message of Jesus. The good news of Jesus. And he wants that to be outworked in your life. To be salt and light. To make a difference wherever he has placed you. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through to verse 11. And I know I'm going over this quickly today. But you know, I think sometimes teaching from the Bible should inspire us to dig deeper ourselves. And, uh, and I'm really hoping that today each individual will go away with something from this message that that's a treasure that they can take forward into their lives. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, the Bible says, Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. The third thing that Jesus is in our lives is, Jesus is the pattern of my life. He is our example. He is our blueprint. He is the, uh, he's the, the prototype. And we, like living stones, should become like the living stone. We must emulate Jesus. In these verses here we see we should emulate in him in his humility and in his servanthood. Let's pick it up in, in, uh, in, in verse 7. It says in verse 5, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And in verse 7 it says, He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Let's go back to verse 3. Verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, I'm not talking about self abasing, I'm not talking about uh, seeing ourselves as less than God has made us to be. C.S. Lewis said this um, Humility is not thinking, it's not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And how does the kingdom of God and living for Jesus, Him as our pattern, affect us? Well, in a marriage, it's husbands love your wives. Wives as Christ loved the church. In a a marriage, it's wives encourage, spur on your husbands. Encourage them. It's, uh, It's how we parent. It's how we live in the community in which we live. It's how we live at work. It's not... Thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. It's saying, how can I spur on those who God has put under my influence? Where he sent me as an ambassador into that particular field or place in life, how can I serve him and his purpose? Jesus is the pattern for our lives. Let's look at verse 6. In verse 6 we see his servanthood. It says in verse 6, Who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He wasn't just trying to get his agenda forward. And let's go back to, uh, to verse 4. It says, Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now one thing that we're clearly going to share with those who are looking for the love of their life tonight is that that when you've made the decision that this is the person I marry, that person comes first in your life. Just after Jesus. You know, They come first. You live your life to serve them. My life, uh, humanly speaking, first and foremost is how can I serve Jill? How can I surprise Jill? How can I love Jill? And if I live that way, everything in our lives, in our marriage, becomes fruitful. Because we're living not just for ourselves. We're living to serve. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in Christ should live the way that Jesus lived. If we want to be Christians, let's be Christ like. Let's let his life flow through us to the world around us. Are are you with me today? So, Jesus is the pattern of our lives. Number four, let's have a look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. Jesus is the prize of my life. In Philippians 3 verse 14, he says. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're called to, to pursue Jesus as the prize. Now, we need to live for something that is imperishable. Uh, Howard Hughes was asked, or well, when, when Howard Hughes, he was one of the richest men, probably the richest man in his generation. When he died, they asked his accountant how much did he leave behind. The accountant said, "Everything." Bible says, "Naked you come into this world." I was there when my children were born. They didn't come in with a credit card, a checkbook, a a little backpack. You know, we don't see hearses with trailers. I, I, you know, if you if you're in the ministry, like we are. Um, you're involved in the hatch, match, and dispatch business. you know, And, uh, and in, the, in the hatching and the matching and the dispatching, there's, you know, there's, there's goods at the, at the matching, but the, the hatching and the dispatching, it's just us and God. And the only thing that we can take into eternity is what Jesus has done in our lives and how he has used us to influence the lives of others. That's the imperishable crown. Uh, I was talking with Rebecca yesterday and she was talking about how she texts her friends. And she said she's got four friends and they kind of live their lives together because they're texting in this group text deal, you know. And uh, I think it's wonderful. It really is. And I said to her, relationships are the real treasure in life. I really believe that. I really, really believe that. You know, the most important thing in this local church is the relationships, the love that you have for one another. And when people come in, they experience that love. And they feel drawn into the family. It's a wonderful thing, it really is. Jesus is the prize of our lives. You see, we're not living for religion by law, but we're living by relationship through faith. Let's have a look at just a few verses that apply to that. First of all, verse 7 through to verse 9 of of Philippians chapter 3. He says in verse 7, Whatever... But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says this is what life is really all about. It's having a relationship with God. You know you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the influence in the world. But if you don't have peace, you got nothing. Peace is the most valuable thing. Peace with God and peace on the inside. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verse uh, 6 and 7. In particular, let's look at verse 7. In verse 7, we see that Jesus is the peace of our lives. Jesus is the peace of my life. In verse 7, he says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. The peace of God. How do we gain peace from God? How do we gain that peace that surpasses understanding? It's peace that's not, not outward circumstances. It's peace on the inside no matter what's happening on the outside. That's what God wants. He wants us in the midst of pressure and chaos. And I know that some people here, I really sense, live under great pressure. You have great pressure on you. That dependent on your decisions is the livelihood of many other people. And sometimes you feel that pressure. But you know, in the midst of that pressure, God wants to give you His peace. Peace on the inside. Okay? How do we have that peace? Verse 6 tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Peace comes through bringing things simply to God in prayer. And then if we get on to verse 9, the end of verse 9 it says, And the God of peace will be with you. Unless we know the God of peace, we will not experience the peace of God. Peace comes by knowing Jesus. Now I have found this. When I gave my life to Jesus, three things happened. Number one, there was a joy on the inside. And joy is an acronym for Jesus Others, yourself. Simple way to live. Jesus first, others next, yourself last. Let me tell you, that's living life. Joy on the inside. The second thing I experienced was purpose. Suddenly, I've got a life to live for a purpose. On the Damascus Road, Acts chapter 9, Paul encounters Jesus. Two questions are asked. And you can read about it, Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26. First question is, who are you, Lord? And that's the first question that has to be answered in our lives. Who is Lord in our lives? And once that question is answered, there's a second question. What do you want me to do for you? And, you know, the the answer to that question involves a journey. He was told, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. There's a journey that's involved. And I really want to encourage you. What do you want me to do for you? Does not necessarily mean go and be a missionary to Outer Mongolia. Now I know someone who did that. And they were very successful at doing that. But not everyone is called to go to Outer Mongolia. God wants you to be a witness where you are. He wants us to be salt and light. Light. Light to the world where you are. You are his ambassador in your circle of friends. You are his ambassador in your place of work. And he wants us to be those who take his peace. The third thing that took place in my life is I had peace on the inside. All of a sudden there was peace on the inside. Now in our church we have uh, people Polish people who have been added to the church just recently. Quite a few Polish people. We are considering doing translation into Polish as a part of our service. Very exciting uh, development for us. Um, there's, there's a number of people from Iran who've just recently got saved. And, uh, and the one thing that, you know, who've come from, from as, an, as an Islamic background, and the one thing that they've all said they've experienced is peace. Jesus wants to bring peace on the inside in our lives. Let's have a look quickly at, uh, at the last two Ps that we see in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus is the power of my life. Jesus is the power of my life. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now I think that we need to take scripture in context. I think sometimes we can take scripture out of context. Okay? And, uh, and I think that um, I think God's not limited. Sometimes He can speak to you through Scripture out of context. But I think that's the exception and not the rule. Huh? And uh, so, so right in this verse, verse 13, is preceded by verse 12, where Paul says, I have learned to be content in all and every circumstance, in good times and in bad times. And you know, God wants to give us the strength to live for Him when things are going well and when things are not going so well. When things are good and things are challenging. He wants to give us His strength. He wants to empower us to live for Him. Jesus is the power of our lives. And you know, some of us today need to recognize this. That there's times you get weary and going and enjoying a good meal is not going to satisfy that. Sleeping is not going to refresh you. You know, uh, just uh, uh, going and experiencing things is not going to refresh you. Uh, I was I travel quite a lot, and I was this last week I was in Liverpool, and I was in a place in Cheshire, and this lady came to a meeting in Cheshire, small meeting in a home. About twenty-five people, and uh, and she came. She was exhausted. She was just looking after her her, uh, her her son has got. No, sorry, her son-in-law has got liver cancer, and she is she is caring for the family, for the daughter, and doing doing her best. Hey, that's great. I agree with you, hundred percent. Hey. You know, he told us to shout out loud, eh? and he's just, he's just she, she's just obeying. Yeah? She's just obeying. Okay, so, um, you know, she came in having just poured out her life for two weeks, serving her daughter, serving her son-in-law, serving the family, exhausted. And I, I felt God gave me something to encourage her, and it was this. If you're hungry, eat, and your hunger is satisfied. If you're thirsty, drink, and your thirst is quenched. If you're tired, sleep, and you'll be refreshed. But if you're weary, spend time with Jesus. Go into the presence of God. And uh, it says in Acts chapter three, verse 19 Seasons of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, you know. And I, I think that, that a lot of people will say, you know, church is like a pit stop for me, and in a in a real sense it is. You come and you get into God's presence and you're refreshed. I was refreshed this morning at God's presence. And then you get the word that, that gives you tools to be able to go out and make a difference. Edifies you and encourages you and equips you to go out and make a difference. Hey? But God wants to give us his strength. And there are people here today, you know, you just need to come into God's presence. And if you're weary, don't leave without receiving prayer today. And come into God's presence. Spend some time with Him. You know, if there's pressure on, wherever you are, children are screaming. You know, uh, life, is, life is loud. The pressure's on. Just take five minutes. Go for a walk. Spend time in God's presence. Spend time with Jesus. He will refresh you. He will give you perspective. He will give you power to be able to live for Him. And then finally, Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 tells us that Jesus is the provider of our lives. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I love the fact that He is not limited to our economy. He's not limited to, um, to, to our riches. He's, the limitation that He has is the riches in glory By Christ Jesus. In other words, what you need, He has. And I'm not just talking about financial needs. I'm talking about all the needs that we have. Spirit, soul, and body. He wants to be our source, our provider. You know, again, this verse cannot be claimed out of context. It needs to be claimed in context. And I love the way that we see verse 15 through to verse 18 talks about how if we give generously of our time, our talent, and our treasure to gospel partnerships, it says that what will happen is He will provide our needs. It's awesome. You know, every single one of us have something to give. I, uh, I just heard, you know, I, I heard what, what this haircut business is about. That is somebody using their gifts, talents, and abilities for God, serving others to see the kingdom of God established. Now, I don't know who you are, but I want to say, well done. Well done. That's awesome. Every single person has something to give. Is it your time? Is it your talent? Is it your treasure? What can you open up and what can you bring to the party, as it were? What can you bring to encourage this local church and what God wants to do through this local church into this community and into the nations of the world? It's incredible, really. And if we live to give, we can say with confidence, my God will supply all my needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, I think we can claim those promises. So today I 've run through a whole book, four chapters, quite quickly, um, but I want to encourage you today. Jesus is our perfecter. He wants to finish the work that he started in you. Having begun in the spirit, don't try and accomplish your goal through human effort. don't start off in relationship and then start getting into rules and regulations. Stay in relationship. Enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. Enjoy the journey. Purpose. You're alive for a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And what you do for Jesus makes a difference. Wherever you are, be a light. Be salt. Make a difference for Jesus. Jesus is the pattern of our lives. You know, we recently did something in our church called 21 Days with John. A chapter a day out of the Gospel of John for three weeks. It takes three weeks to develop a good habit. 21 days. And uh, we encourage people to journal. Use the four R's when reading the Bible. Read, reflect, record, respond. And you know, if you just read through... The ministry of Jesus on the earth through the eyes of his best mate, John. It's just incredible. And then you begin to see how he lived. It's awesome. Jesus is the prize of our lives. He wants us to live for eternal values. You know, our lives can make a difference for eternity. He's the peace. And peace with God And the peace of God comes from knowing God and bringing everything to Him in prayer. Prayer is the greatest act of humility. Because you know what it says? It says, I'm praying for others, but I also recognize that I actually cannot do this in my own strength. I need your help. Okay? Power. Perhaps today you're in a place where you need God's empowering to live for him, we in the good times and the bad times. And I think when things are going well, let's not forget that it's because we're living in God's favor. When things are going tough, let's not forget that we're not alone. Huh? He's with us. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. And He is our provider. Now you might say today, man, I have, uh, I have all my needs met. But let's not just think one dimensionally. God wants you to prosper spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, financially. And prosperity is simply this. Simply this. Having my needs met and a little bit left over to be a blessing to somebody else. That's, that's life. That, the life that God wants us to live. And you know, you might have all your needs met financially. But maybe God wants to bring a friend into your life. Where you're going to have a mutual, beneficial, kingdom, partnership, relationship. You know? Uh, Maybe God wants to... For some people, they need spiritual prosperity. Others need peace in their minds and in their hearts. Let's come to Jesus. He's the one who can give that to us.